Hi, I'm Carrie Butler, and you're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. I have a special offer for my listeners. You can get my new course at carriebutlercoach.com slash broadwaypodcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. A penny who just couldn't stop the beat. Yes, with roller skates on her feet. Of course, it's recently to see. Welcome to Breaking Broadway. I recently announced the launch of my signature course, Breaking Into Broadway, and I have a super special offer just for my podcast listeners. Check it out at carriebutlercoach.com slash broadwaypodcast. I wanted to do a series on side hustle because when I was in college, you know, they gave me this amazing training and I, you come to New York and you think you're ready, but then you don't realize how hard it is to actually live in New York. And you have to have something to support yourself and go on all of these auditions at the same time. So I feel like that is the one thing lacking in college educations. And so many of my friends, I feel like who are even more talented than me, end up giving up because it's just so expensive to come to New York City and then to have to work a full-time job and go on auditions, it really wears you down. So I wanted to talk to people who I know found other side hustles that maybe make it easier to support this career that's like a roller coaster going up and down where you're working one year and next time you might be off for five years. So that's why I'm doing this series. And I'm so excited for my guest today. I'm sure you know her. You love her. Dana Steingold, who I just finished doing Beetlejuice with. And uh, Dana's been in, had such a, an amazing career, always working. Um, in addition to being in Beetlejuice, she was in 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee on Broadway. And then off-Broadway in Avenue Q, The Visit, Saturday Night, Anyone Can Whistle. So many, so many things. Um, Working with her on Beetlejuice, 
Dana is just one of those people who can do anything and will do anything. Like if they ask her, Dana, would you <laughs> would you play <laughs> no. Beetlejuice today? I feel like Dana would go home, work that night, when, got it, got it. And she went on like so quickly in so many different roles and nailed it. Just the ultimate professional, knows what she's doing, doesn't always get all of the glory and recognition that she deserves, but she gets it from her uh, fellow uh, people that she works with because we all know and admire her so much. Welcome, Dana. Thank you. Um, So we are doing a series on the business of Broadway and how we can't survive just doing shows. But first, just tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming an actress. Did you always want to be an actor? You know, I think I, so I was a rambunctious kid and I was just super precocious and I sort of performed for anyone who would watch or listen. And Where did you grow up? <laughs> in Detroit, um, in oh. West Bloomfield, Michigan. Yeah. Okay. So I think my parents didn't really know what to do with that because I was definitely a recessive gene. They're both like dentists. You know, my, my mom was a hygienist and my dad was a dentist and they met in dental school and like, yeah. So they were like, we don't know anything about theater or music, you know? So they put me in tap classes and and whatnot, like every, you know, three or four year old does. And at my sixth birthday, a friend was auditioning. Okay. This is really different time. They were doing the King and I at the Jewish community center. (laughs) Um, And a friend was auditioning. And she was like, why don't you let Dana come with me? And my mom was like, I don't think she has anything prepared. And I was like, I'm going to be fine. So I showed up at the audition and I sang part of your world. And I did like a full routine. Like I laid on the ground and my legs were the fins. Like you're definitely not supposed to do that. But um, I booked it. And so (laughs) um, I was a very uh, inappropriate Princess Ying Yawalek. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. And, um, I think the first time I heard anyone clap, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Um, and I just kind and of, this was when you were six. I was six. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, but I didn't know it was like a career. I didn't know it was something I could actually do. It was just something I did for fun and I knew I loved it. Uh, and I just kept doing community theater. And then eventually, uh, the theater that I did a lot of stuff at growing up, Danny Gerwin, who is like in the business, he was Laurie and Little Women and whatnot. Um, His mom runs the theater. So he would come back all the time and be like, you need to go to this theater camp called Stage Door Manor. You will love it. I went there. It will change your life. And I begged my parents and they finally let me go when I was 13. Uh, And I think that's sort of when I was like, oh, this is like a real thing I could do. There are other people here who like this as much as I do and are so incredibly talented. And I was so inspired because you know, when have I ever been in a room with that much talent before? You don't like really know that mm-hmm. in local theater. You're like, I'm great. And then you go to <laughs> camp and you're like, whoa, other people are also amazing. Um, and so that's when I sort of realized it could be a thing. And I just decided I, the next natural progression was like, I guess let's apply to BFA programs. And so that's what I did. And so then you went to college and um, what was your first professional job? Yeah. So uh, then I went to college. I actually left graduation early to go to the callback for the 25th annual Potomac County Spelling Bee. Um, And I got my first audition, which is like very rare and a very weird thing. I just happened to be like very right for it. I So I left on tour and that was my first job. And I got my equity card doing that. Um, 
Wow. Yeah. So that was like my first job out of school. And then once I was on the road, I got what was supposed to be my first Broadway show, which was the Godspell revival uh, Ah, back in 2007. And that fell apart, as we famously know. uh, Wait, like everybody else might not know. You should tell that story because that's a really good story. So it was a really crazy thing. Um, this does happen, but it's it's pretty rare that this yeah. occurs. Um, so you book a Broadway show and you're like, yes, I'm going to Broadway. This is the dream. This is amazing. And it was like an amazing cast full of like incredible people who some of whom ended up doing the next version several years later. But it was like Gavin Creel, Sarah Chase, Uzo Aduba, Telly Leung, just incredible people. Um, and... <laughs> a week before rehearsal started, um, I went home to Michigan because I thought, you know, I'm not going to have a break and I've been on tour. So I better go home for a week and like see my family. I'm literally in the airport waiting to board the plane and I get a text message that's from our director being like, can you call me? And I was like, okay. So I call Danny Goldstein and he's like, so, okay, I have some unfortunate news. Um, we've had a backer who was like a large sum of the, uh, I guess the investments to put up the show drop out. So we have to postpone the Broadway production of Godspell. Uh, We're devastated by this. And uh, this is just a postponement. It's not a cancellation. I'm literally in the terminal, like waiting to board a plane back to New York. Mm. Um, And I don't really know what to make of this because I'm 22 years old and Mm. I don't really know what this means. So I like call my agent and I'm like, what? I don't understand what's happening. And they're like, no, you need to move forward. Like this is not happening. Wow. Um, yeah. So I gave myself sort of like a week, which is very me. I was like, I'll give myself a week to be upset about this and like run yes. around my apartment and cry. And then I like yeah. have to move forward and get another job. I think that's really healthy. Yeah. You know, cause you have to allow yourself to feel your feelings, but you can't dwell in it because right. so many things fall apart in this business all the yes. time. Yes. But I think that was sort of the turning point where I thought, okay, I was relying on this job. Um, I, I knew I was coming back to the city. I took, you know, it's very expensive to move in the city. I took you yes. know, $10,000 and like moved and was buying furniture for my new apartment and all these things. And I was like, oh, like, how am I going to pay these credit card bills now? I'm going to dip into my savings from tour. But now what am I going to do? Like sit at home and wait for my phone to ring to go to appointments? So luckily I booked like a quick gig at North Shore Music Theater doing High School Musical 2, which then shut down North Shore. So for a second, I thought I was cursed because I was <gasps> oh shutting everything gosh. down. Um, and so I thought like, okay, I can't um, wait around for the phone to ring. I need to like figure out something to do in the meantime and also provide myself an income. Because even then at 22, I knew I wanted to develop work. I wasn't really as interested in like, going in for like the 20 second replacement in something. Mm-hmm. And I loved doing readings and workshops, which are really, for those who don't know about 80% of the business and nobody really tells you or talks about development in school. They're just like, you go to Broadway and that's, <laughs> that's the step. You go into audition, you get a call and they say like, congrats, you're going to Broadway. And really it's like years and years and years of planting seeds and standing yeah, behind and a music no money. stand. And making no money, like less than minimum wage when you really work yes. out. Yes, 100% less than minimum wage. Yeah, and that's basically like most of the business, to be honest, unless you want to leave town and do regional theater, which I did a ton of. So I knew I needed to find a job and be like flexible. So something mm-hmm. that had like the flexibility where I could leave town for a stint and still do it. Um, yeah, and that sort of set me off on my journey of like, 
finding the thing that was going to like sustain me. So what did you end up finding? So I dabbled in many things, um, which I think a lot of people do. I worked at a clothing store. um, I worked as a cater waiter, like all the things normal people do. But I was like, I don't think this is for me. I haven't found it yet. I worked at an interior design store for a few years that I was obsessed with. And it was just, it has since closed, but the owner was just incredible. She was like so supportive and so flexible when I needed to come in late because I had an audition or like pop out for an hour um, and leave town for six weeks. She was awesome. And while I was working there, a regular customer was sort of like, you're so great and you're so personable. Have you ever thought about being a personal assistant? And I was like, no, I've never, I've never really thought about that before. Uh, And she was like, well, when you're done here, like, let me know if you ever want to talk about it. Uh, I gave her a call and I've been working for her ever since. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And And so you stayed working with her even all during Beetlejuice? During Beetlejuice, during Avenue Q, during several regional productions. Wow. Um, I've been with her for so many years. I've set up a lot of my friends with um, her various friends. Oh. It's just kind of like it's been the perfect thing because, again, like once Godspell happened to me, the thing that they don't tell you is like, Something ends and then you're looking for the next thing. And hopefully, hopefully you know what you're doing. But also like, for example, when I left Avenue Q, I knew I was going right into Beetlejuice. But when I was leaving Beetlejuice, I knew the follow-up wasn't going to be just anything, you know, it was going to have to be the right thing. And I also, again, wanted to go back to the development stage, which we've all been sort of doing through this, but it's been difficult with COVID and like, you know, um, doing double duties a little challenging with that because you're exposing yourself to like a million people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, I don't want to just like say yes to any job. So I've always kept it. It's sometimes a little bit crazy, but I will say that I've, I'm very good at managing my time. So I know how to like compartmentalize. And yes, there are moments where I'm like answering texts to her, like about to go on as Lydia. And I'm like, hold on, I'll like forward you this email. That does happen um, where I'm finding like documents on my computer. But oh my I bring gosh. my computer to the theater. I do a lot of it between shows because that's oh like gosh. an easy downtime for me. And I just like yeah. spend the two hours and catch up on like the week. Um, and I have a friend who is going to be in Brittany, actually. And she, when I was out of town with Beetlejuice, because I knew it would be too much out of town, mm-hmm. um, and during previews, she jumps in for me. And so she's always been like the other go-to person. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like, it, to be honest, when you're making a new musical, you're being asked to double, like to multitask. You're being asked to like change things really quickly, pivot, think on your feet. Um, you have to be almost like hyper organized um, on so many levels. So I think in a way I'm very well suited mm-hmm. to doing this because like the juggling is something we do as actors all the time. We're like learning auditions in, you know, while we're in our dressing room about to go on stage to perform something else. We're making self tapes, you know, five minutes before we're running out to like mm-hmm. go to the theater. We're changing scenes and doing the old scene at night and learning the new scene to put in the next day. So it's sort of, I don't know, it was like kind of a natural fit because nothing flusters me because of that. I think we're all used to working in high school. Really nothing flusters you. I could not believe going on stage with you and you were so calm all the time in the part you've never played before or hadn't played in, you know, four years. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's like, 
it's this weird thing where you're able to like sort of be like, okay, step one is this. Like I can't yeah. solve this problem before I solve this problem. So I have to like just slowly go step by step and not get ahead of myself and just listen and respond. And I think getting a job in the real world, it's the same thing. And I, I think actors are actually uniquely suited to having second jobs because even though we're like, oh, we're only trained in theater, you know, we're also really smart, most of us, because you kind of have to be to be able to do this. Um, I think there's this trope that actors kind of become actors because they can't do anything else. And I actually think it's the opposite. We choose this and we could have done 700 other things because you have to be like a student of the world and invested in the world around you and read um, and just be so engaged because otherwise you'll be such a boring actor. Like, what does that right. bring to the table? So, yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I do recommend always having something because also like I just don't do well with spare time. It's not me. <laughs> um, so I need to like put my energy into something. And this always gives me that energy um, and fills that need. But I also have the flexibility to like take a six week break and go to the Muni, you know? Yeah. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I mean, that is something that I feel like for me, especially college, never really talked about how expensive it is to come to New York City and to just think that you are going to be able to make a living coming to New York City. Like you were lucky because you got that tour. And so were you able to save up money when you did that tour? You know, yes. You know, it was great. It was like a production contract, which for those who don't know, that's like the best contract you could be on, Yeah, uh, which is pretty rare on tour these days. But also I was 20 and 21 when I went on tour. So like if I could go back, I would have been much better at saving, to uh, be honest. But we were having the time of our lives. All It was basically all of our first jobs. So we were like shopping and going out every night, you know, because it was what you did. So, yeah, I did put money away, but it's actually, I mean, you know what happens. You get this paycheck and you're like, I'm making so much money. <laughs> And then taxes are taken out and you pay your agent and manager. And then you're like, where did all the money go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I wasn't as serious as I should have been 
about saving. So a little tip out there, if you get a great job right out of school, you should definitely put that money away. Yes. Yes. My dad <laughs> did know. that for me, like, because I was doing commercials when I was younger and he put it all away. So I'm so lucky because my parents lived in Brooklyn, so I could always yeah. have a place to stay. My friends would stay with my parents. But I feel like some of the most talented people from my class in college didn't make it because the grind is so hard in finding yes. like, say you're a waiter and trying to go on auditions. It's just so exhausting. So if you, I feel like everyone has to come here either with a great backup job or some money where they can just focus on auditioning. 100%. Um, you know, they tell you in school, like all this kind of backward stuff, right? They're like, auditioning is your job. And you're like, yeah, yeah it is my job in a way, but it's not paying the bills. Yeah, and exactly. they also don't talk to you about the investment that it takes to properly audition. Like the only thing you can, that you actually have control over in your audition is your preparation. And that prep sometimes takes coaching, backup tracks, yes. um, a voice lesson, like investing in the right thing that you think to wear is for that audition, paying an accompanist sometimes if it's like a high stakes final callback yeah. and you're like, oh, I need to sing all of this stuff and like, I'm going to bring someone with me because I don't trust that this is going to like, I have one shot at this, whatever. Now it's the self-tape setup. Like yeah. I'm getting voiceover appointments that, you know, I've, I've made like a decent living for myself in that space, but I'm now getting appointments that are like asking me to have a $1,400 microphone with wow. a $600 preamp. And you like really can't audition if you don't have it because you have to state in your slate what your setup is. Wow. So yeah, it's really kind of crazy as we talk about, I was saying this to my husband the other day that we talk about like inclusion and diversity and accessibility of this industry. And all of a sudden we're being asked to you know, have this equipment to be competitive on some mm -hmm. level, which is interesting. So yeah, I definitely think you need to move here with some sort of chunk of money and a plan because the plan can't just be showing up to audition. Like, and also honestly, if you ha you have to find the right thing because it will take the joy out of auditioning, I will yeah. say, I think. Yeah. And that is just true. And, um, but it's, it's definitely, it's a thing. And I agree. I also, some of the most talented people that I went to school with just like didn't make it because it was so hard to work all night and at a bar and then show up, you know, at the morning and barely make it with, you know, especially right now, like rent is so crazy. Yeah. Um, but I think there's this thing where it, people look at it like it's shameful to have a side job or yeah. They always say like, if you, if you do anything else, you're giving yourself like a pivot, you know, uh -huh, or like you're uh -huh. going to go backward. And that's just not true. Like no. I know what I love to do, but this enables me to choose what I do, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. And also when you're starting out, like, it's interesting that you, you've been able to make a really good career doing cartoon work too. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times, like now, I I have nothing going on. Like, I don't know what I'm doing no. next. And I'm okay Same. with that because that's just like our, that's what we what signed we up for. Yeah. But like, I always feel like some weird door opens up and I just go through it. So that could be doing audible books. It could be doing something that I never thought of doing, but it's still in the business. But Correct. And I wouldn't, you know, a lot of young people are like, I wouldn't do commercials <laughs> Like, oh, you better, please, you, better, you, you better do that commercial, babe. <laughs> well, it's like you it's need every bit. Every bit. And you just chunk the money away. But the other thing is like, I think 
they make you feel shame about having this side gig. But what I will say also is every job I've booked, it's because of a seed I planted from something else. It's usually not because like, especially the bigger jobs, it's usually not just me going in a room and like doing the material. Yeah, that's like important, obviously. But at that place, you know, the six people they have at the final callback, all of us could do the job equally well in a very different way. We're all just bringing what we uniquely bring to it. And if it's, you know, on Tuesday, they might like someone else. And on Thursday, they like someone else. And that's just how it goes. Of course, when you first get out of school, you want to get your feet wet and you're like, I'll do anything. I'll go to, you know, some small town in Oklahoma and do like the regional production of whatever. But at a certain point, you have to say, I need to be picky. And what I need to do is every reading and workshop because I need every director and musical director and writer to know who I am. And A, you get better at your craft because you work with amazing people And I feel like that was sort of grad school for me was doing readings with like you and um, just all these people that I and Donna Murphy and Bernadette Peters and all these people that like you maybe don't get to be in a rehearsal room with for four weeks um, in a revival of something on Broadway. But you get this like short period of time where you see how everybody works and you start to break down like, oh, all these people work differently. This person (laughs) reads music. This person doesn't. And it keeps you sort of like learning, engaged, and that's how you book big jobs. I mean, like for for all of us, like Beetlejuice, for the most part, none of us auditioned at the beginning. Right. We all were just we didn't. offered it because of a previous audition or a previous table read with someone on the creative team or whatnot. So I really believe that like having the side gig allows you to make those choices, which can be hard because how much do we make doing a reading, Carrie? <laughs> we, used to, we used to make $100 for... How many hours? 30 hours? Was it 29 hours or 29 whatever? hour reading, $100. Now they've they've upped it a little bit. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a big jump. $200. <laughs> <laughs> but like 29 hours, you're there Monday to Friday. Yeah, all day. So you can't all really day. have another job unless it's at night. And then how are you going to learn your music? Because they also Correct. expect you, they don't say this, but they kind of expect you to be kind of off book. I mean, you can have yeah. your book there, but you have to be able to look up and make yeah. choices, make acting choices. Right. So like you're really, it's not 29 hours, it's 29 hours in the room. And then yeah. the three hours you spend at home, like right. learning, learning the stuff. music. Yep. So you don't get learning lost your in harmonies. the words. Yeah. 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 So that's just not enough, like to pay rent in New York. Like even if you're living, you know, way up in the Heights with like four roommates or in the depths of Brooklyn or Astoria, I don't know anybody spending less than like $850 a month for their room plus, you oh, know, yeah. utilities. So like, and you have to live and eat. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, having that safety net has kept me happy and allowed me to like do the work I want to do versus being like, I guess I have to take this regional job I'm not really interested in doing. And um, I guess that's what I'm going to what I'm going to do because I need to make the paycheck. And, and that comes with age and time and figuring that out, too. Right. Like in the beginning, I think you do need to sort of like take what you get. Yes, for you a while. can. Yes, yes. Um, and I think there's no shame in that game at all. Uh, but once you, you know, once you get to a certain place, you're like, it needs to be the right thing. And I need to, um, I, I mean, I say no a lot more than I say yes now. I will say that. Oh, and I'm sure you look do at you. too. <laughs> oh, it's so fancy. But, <laughs> but it's also because you're like, I've missed so many family events and you're uh, like, yeah. you know what the schedule is. And you're like, is that worth it? Am I going to enjoy this? Are these people I want to work with in a room that I feel like I want to be in that's going to make me happy? Am I going to learn from this experience, especially following Beetlejuice, which is 
Yeah. Nothing will ever be like Beetlejuice again. I don't think, you know, yeah, probably for, you never for know. Us. <laughs> you never know, but I think we all took it in as sort of like yeah, this it was very a very unique thing. Yes. So to follow that up, you're like, what's, what's that going to be? It has to be the right thing. It can't just be like ran- this random job that I'm like, oh, I guess this is it, you know? <laughs> so, right. Well, I'm sure all of us out here are very excited to see what is next for you. Um, <laughs> and thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It was really, really insightful. And everybody, keep those, keep those extra jobs. <laughs> keep those extra jobs. There's no shame in the game. Do you have anything to plug? Where can people find you? You can find me same place on my Instagram, at Steinface. And, I, you know, I have nothing to plug. I'm just sort of like, as, as you are, just sort of taking a couple weeks to just see people and like, you know, make a few self-tapes in my living room. But, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. other than that, like, I think we're just seeing what comes and the right thing will present itself. And, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about it. I'm, I'm taking a nice break and a nap and seeing family. Thank you, Dana. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like me to come to your school or theater group and give a masterclass or a talk back, please reach out at carriebutlercoach.com. If you like this podcast and want more episodes, please go to bpn.fm slash breaking broadway and subscribe, like, or share. Together you and I are breaking Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.